Welcome to this episode of Mind Reading Marketing. Today, I'm chatting with Lindsay Sims. Lindsay is an entrepreneur, educator, and coach with a knack for reducing entrepreneurial noise and increasing the digital literacy of small business owners. As the founder and CEO of 30 Day Funnels, she provides small business owners of diverse backgrounds with no gimmick, no fad strategies to leverage their digital marketing so they can step away from overwhelm and get back to what they actually love. Today, we're going to chat about how funnels can help you scale and Lindsay's tips for nurturing your audience, whether someone is going to work with you in two days or two years. Let's dive in. Hi, I'm Isabel Kateman, and I own Stripe Dog Creative. We build beautiful brands and highly strategic websites for six-figure online service providers and course creators looking to reach seven figures and beyond. I'm excited to have you here for the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast, where we let go of the bullshit and deliver valuable information quickly. From practical marketing strategy to self-care for CEOs, tune in each week to go deep on one specific topic and get actionable advice you can use to grow your business even further. Let's jump in. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I am very excited about this conversation. Yeah, me too. I think this is going to be a really great topic. So why don't you start us off by just giving us a little bit of background on what you do and who you serve? Well, I love that question. Like, what's my background on who I serve and what I do? Well, I have like 85 jobs. And so (laughs) for the purposes of this conversation, I would say that we tend to work with people who are a bit more established in what they're selling and they're kind of tired of one at a timing it and really want to focus on, I, I would say, stop one at, one at a time in it and start mass communicating. They're kind of in that position. If you've ever seen, oh, brother, where art thou? Then you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, that's that's the people that I serve. And I, and I started doing it because I had so many clients who were in that position and I wanted to be able to serve more people who I, I also wanted to start doing the same thing, essentially. So um, on the same path as my clients with what I do. Yeah, I love that. And so you're a funnel expert. Let's talk a little bit before we get into the details of you know the specificities around what you do. Let's just talk about what a funnel encompasses. If somebody were coming into this and didn't know what a funnel meant, let's just talk through what exactly a funnel is and what the goals of a funnel are. Okay, that's a really good question. So my the way I like to put it is this way, like funnel is just a dirty word, right? It's it's a word for something that already exists and that's a marketing campaign. But what a funnel does differently than a standard marketing campaign is that a funnel is essentially your sales and your marketing at the same time. So you are attempting to capture someone's attention who did not know you exist. You are attempting to increase their interest, move them through to desire and then get them to do something about that desire in a relatively short period of time. And if you have a really long sales cycle, the thing you want to do instead of trying to get them to buy something from you, you just want to get them into some sort of engagement with you relatively early on so that they can be in a relationship that will help them convert later. But that's that's basically what a funnel is. It's a marketing campaign that has a sales objective. Yeah. And so when you're talking about, you know, one at a timing it versus trying to do it in multiples and trying to sort of speed things up and scale. Why are funnels so important and how can they really help a business that's looking to scale? One of my favorite things that funnels do is help organize us as business owners. Like people tend to think that a funnel is a way for you to like move your clients through a process. And I'm like, well, yeah, but mostly it's to move you through a process, like (laughs) to keep us from one at a timing it. Because as people who do, a lot of people who do service-based businesses, 
have a very strong tendency, and I, I've heard, heard you talk about this, and I have a very strong tendency towards customizing for each customer. And that just leads to disaster. And so like what a funnel kind of helps you do is to organize yourself so that you can stop doing that. And so that your marketing, your sales is actually pulling people into a productized version of what you do. Even if you do kind of customize it on the other end, it helps you to just be more organized and more thoughtful about what your what your products are and how you're putting them out into the world. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, it's so important. I think as people start to scale, like, you know, as you were saying, I talk about this all the time, but it's like when you're a new business owner, you have this tendency because you're probably not getting all the clients that you want, not making the money that you want to make to be like, oh, if I customize everything, it'll bring more people in, which of course, as you go on in business, you learn is actually the opposite because then people don't see you as an expert. They don't see you as an authority. They're going to walk all over you. Girl, happens to me. It happens to every new business owner. Yeah. And so yeah. as you're helping people through this, as they're learning that, you know, they have a process that works and it's proven and they want to scale it. What's the right way for people to go about setting up these funnels to make sure that it's not only good for the customer or potential customer, but also really easy for them to use on the back end? I think the answer to this question is not probably what you're going to expect for me to say. The right way is to do it as if you're practicing. When I say that, I mean that you can't get married to the outcome because funnels are extremely flexible. Like you're essentially, you're meant to be trying on different versions of reality until one of them fits. And often with funnels, we think that we're supposed to be doing one specific thing. And people say, okay, I need need to build a funnel or I want you to build me a funnel. And then what they mean by that is I want you to do whatever the standard process some bro in the internet told them about. And I'm like, (laughs) the problem with that is that A, your business might be different, your customer might be different. And believe me, we are not about to go down a customization path. What I'm saying is you might start out with a standard process, but the best way to go about doing a funnel is to recognize that whatever that initial standard process is, you're likely going to have to tweak it. Like you're going to have to adjust this point or that point to actually fit your customer. It doesn't mean that the funnel itself needs to be destroyed and blown up and started over. It's just maybe there's a little element here or there that's going to need to be adjusted in order to get really the outcome that you desire. So the best approach to starting with funnels is to recognize that you're not starting to end. You're starting to start. Like it's a process. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And I think You know, I think that's so important just in general when you're an entrepreneur is you set out with the best of intentions thinking this is exactly how things are going to go and I'm going to plan it and it'll just happen and it always ends up blowing up in your face. And so I think that that's a really important lesson of like, you have to be flexible and you have to know that what you think might work for you might not actually and what you thought wouldn't work for you might actually end up being the solution. Exactly. You have to be open-minded. And and of course, you can rely on experts to help you get started. And that's what I do is I'm like, my job is to help you get started because a lot of people don't really even know where to start. And so here's how to get started. Here's all the materials you need. And this is the like three-step, four-step process. But along the way, you're probably going to have to make adjustments because my process might work 85% properly for your customer and you got to fix that other 15% that ain't working right, right? So, but you have to kind of know that going in because otherwise you you get that 85% outcome and you're like, but why isn't it perfect the first time? You're like, nothing, nothing is perfect the first time. What is this? Like, <laughs> why do we expect that? Totally. Oh my God. Nothing is ever perfect the first time, a hundred percent. And so, you mentioned your process. So walk us through a little bit 
what that process is. And I know you also talk about an upside down strategy. So let's talk about that as well. I believe very strongly in beginning with the end in mind. So I want to know what the sales process looks like, because if we aren't creating a funnel to like fit with your sales process, then it doesn't quite matter what we're doing. And so even though we have a standard process that everybody works through, the whole thing starts with what's the outcome? Like, is it that the person is going to sign up for some sort of half hour long consulting session? Are they going to enter into a membership program? What is it? And, and even then, how? Like, what's exactly the sale, the sales process? And then we walk backwards from whatever the the final action is all the way up to how to get people to become aware of it. Mostly because in my experience, sometimes when you go in the opposite direction, you get lost along the way and then you end up building a process for the action that doesn't make sense. Like you're building a process for an action that's not real for your business. And we need to make sure that the action, the last thing, the thing that people actually do and engage with you finally in that final touch point that they have before they give you a credit card number or something, that that's real and that we're marketing towards that. And then we, you know, build out the rest of it. Yeah. And so speaking of... Yeah. And so speaking of getting people to sort of take an action, if somebody doesn't have a funnel yet and they're just getting started, what do they need to know about their audience before setting up this funnel? The first thing, the the, the biggest thing, it's not the only thing you need to know because the more you know, the better. Uh, but <laughs> the most important thing that we all need to understand about our audience is their motivations. And when I say that, a lot of people are like, what's their pain? And I'm like, Not everything is evolved from pain in a real sense, but everything has a motivation. And, and I was, I say that because I was, I was, I was at a winery. It was a wine, wine tasting all weekend in Texas. Yeah, that doesn't make sense, but it happened. So I was wine tasting in Texas and we came across a jewelry store and we walked in and I, it was like one of the busiest places on the street. And whenever I think about the fact that jewelry is such a widely purchased, widely worn, widely participated in thing that no one needs, not one person on this planet needs a pair of earrings or a diamond necklace. None of it is necessary. Nothing. There's literally no physical justification for needing jewelry, but yet we all have it. And so if you're selling something that someone doesn't need, you need to know what their motivation is. And if you're selling something that someone does need, you still need to know what their motivation is. So having an idea of what motivations are, I think, is the the key to any marketing period, whether it's a funnel or just a one-off social media post. You need to have some idea of what what the person who's going to be consuming this information's motivation is around your topic, around your product or your service or your industry. What is it that they actually want out of life as it pertains to that? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's so important in general with your business, right? Like obviously your customers are going to evolve over time, but whenever you're creating any piece of marketing, the more that you can get at the motivations behind your customers, their pain points, their fears, their desires, what they're looking for by working with you, then the better off you're going to be in creating marketing that's going to appeal to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Because in in all reality, uh, what is it? All marketers are storytellers, as uh, Seth Godin says. And so we have to be able to tell a really good story, but you can't tell a really good story unless you know why someone is doing whatever it is they're doing. So you have to get to their why, not yours, theirs. And then once you do, you know, can do anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so on that same 
in that same vein, when, you know, these days people's attention spans are so short. So when you're creating this funnel for people, especially as the funnel sort of get, you know, potentially longer and longer, how do you ensure that people are actually consuming the content throughout? A very, very good question. So when we create funnels, our, our, all the funnel content that we're creating is based on a organic period, everything ever. We do add in some content for, you know, social media ads and things like that, but I believe very strongly in relying on organic before you ever put out a dime in ads, mostly because you can't, any money you spend on ads is going to be wasted until you know what works. And the best way to find out what works is to do it organically first. So we built our entire structure around social media content and email. So between those two, like our drivers are social media and email. And if we can can figure out what the people's behaviors are going to be around those two things or, you know, those activities, then we can get a lot more traction for sales, which is part of the reason why we work backwards to get to what the social media post is going to be. Like, what's that final action? And then what are all the things that we need to get someone, get get them to understand and help them to know before they're able to take that action? And then discovery. So we create for people like a discovery, you know, like a discovery blueprint for them. So, you know, based on keywords and hashtags, these are things that you should be using on different platforms to help you get found amongst the noise because yeah, social media can be noisy, but the reality is like, if you're putting something out that is for someone, they will see it. Like you just have to make sure that it's specifically for them and not trying to be too general because if you're trying to be too general, man, you're going to miss them. Like you don't see pregnancy ads that are like, well, you could want children or maybe not. No, it's like you pregnant girl, what's up? Like, you know, like they're very specific. And sometimes they're like even more specific. You're eight months pregnant and this is what's going on. But the more specific you can get, the better with your marketing. So we tend to, to really hone in on that for all of our social media posts that we're creating. And then with the keywords and the hashtags that we're going to be helping you to uh, include, uh, that, that's where we're going with that. Yeah. And I, I love that analogy, that pregnancy specific analogy is so important because specificity is so important. You know, talking yeah. to everyone doesn't work. And that is true. You never see ads that are like, you might be thinking about getting pregnant in the next one to five years. Yes, exactly. Because that would be dumb and no one would be like, that would be an ad for everyone. And there's no such thing. Exactly. No exactly. Thing. Yeah. And so as you're sort of setting up funnels for people, you know, waning attention spans, wanting specificity, are longer funnels better? Are shorter funnels better? Do you see sort of a length or a number of steps that tend to work best or it really just depends on what the goals are? I don't think it depends, actually. We start out with a four-step process no matter what. It's just that our four-step process can take however long it's going to take for the customer to take to make their choice. Uh, Laura Roeder is one of my like favorite people who I don't know in real life. And she has this uh, talk that she does where she talks about how it took her six months to decide on which metallic straws to buy for her family. <laughs> and I was like, that's the reason why like marketing and sales funnels are both completely useful and incredibly dumb because it doesn't matter how good you are at marketing if someone is going to take 15 you know, weeks to make a decision about metallic straws. Like, like that is, that's yay for them for being so thorough, but then also, you know, like that's nuts. And so what my my aim is, is to give you enough content to where if your customer's buying cycle is two days, then you can catch them in that two days. And if it's 20 weeks, you can also catch them in that 20 weeks. One of the things that I try to remind everyone is that no one sees everything that you put out. And so it, whether it's organic or paid, no one sees everything. So our job is to be really good at repetition. 
And that's part of what we build into our content is the ability for you to repeat it and for us to say it in 85 different ways, just in case someone did see it the first time and now they're going to see it in a different way the next time. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that's so important. I feel like there are so many examples. I'm actually in a coaching program and one of the girls, it's about creating courses and creating a course for the summer. And one of the girls was talking about how she felt like she wasn't hitting the numbers she wanted on her launch and she'd been promoting the launch all week. And we all follow one another. And all of us were like, we haven't seen a single post. And she was like, what are you talking about? I've been like throwing it out all week. I feel like that's all I've talked about. And it's like, yeah, you feel like it's all you've talked about, but you don't know the algorithms are always changing and you never know. And it's like literally like 10 or 12 of us in the program. were like, we haven't seen a single post from you this week and it's Thursday. And so it's just, it's, it's super important to sort of like get out of your own head, stop being so afraid that you're like oversaturating people because, you know, in marketing, people need to see things a minimum of three times. Some people say as high as 12 and you don't even know if they're seeing it, even if you feel like you're pushing it out constantly. I completely agree. And I I absolutely love it when my customers say, like, I have some client work that I do. And so so my clients like, oh, my God, I've seen that post. Are are you sure we want to share that again? And I'm like, girl, you follow yourself and you look at everything that we post. But ain't nobody else looking at your stuff like that. Like, (laughs) seeing everything. And so, yeah, I'm just going to keep posting it until you, like, for real mandate me to say, like, no, and then I'll stop. But other than that, yeah, we're going to keep going because I'm conscious of the fact that everybody's not seeing it. And on top of that, I have no ego. And I think that as small business owners, I mean, I do have an ego. It's just not about this. So (laughs) we have to we have to recognize that we're like a lot of times we're reacting with our own ego. Like we need to stop doing that. Like your own ego is like, I don't want people to think. If you're coming at it from the, I don't want people to think approach, you got to dismiss that because in reality, you want people to think whatever they have to think in order to make a purchase. Like, let's start there. (laughs) So we got to get this stuff in front of them in order for them to think anything about you. (laughs) So, you know, start there. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. I think it's, it's important to try as much as you can to take emotion out of it. It's a business. So obviously it's hard when it's your business and it's your baby and you've put all this blood, sweat and tears in, but it's really important as much as you can to, to not get offended by things and to not sort of like put yourself in your customer's shoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because often we are just so wrong. And it, it's so fun to me whenever you're like, oh my God, I am my customer. And I'm like, well, you were and up until the moment you solved your problem. The second you solve the problem, you stop being your customer. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, because your customer wouldn't do that. If they did, everyone would have a business. Like, <laughs> as, soon as, you start, as soon as you said, I have the solution, you stop being your customer. That's like, that's why it's so hard to like come back around and hear it from their perspective. Because when you solve the problem for yourself, you stop being the customer which everyone says, I, I love when people say, well, I am my customer. I bought, I was the reason why I started this business. But I'm like, yeah, a lot of us were. <laughs> you stopped being your customer years ago, girl. Like, this is not that. So. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, that's, that's such a good point. And so as people are moving through, let's say you notice that you're having sort of a longer lead of a funnel. Let's say your funnel is, you know, a few months, like the woman who took 15 weeks to buy straws. How do you suggest that people sort of nurture that audience while they're taking that time to make the decision? So one of the things that I think we should all do when we're creating funnels is have some initial touch point that has a soft ask. So um, other people call it a lead magnet. It doesn't have to be a lead magnet though. You just have to ask for an email address for some reason, right? Having that soft ask in the beginning 
gives you a reason to keep up with people who are going to take 15 weeks to buy something that only costs $17. And so (laughs) if that's the case, then at the very least, you can follow up with them and ask, you know, okay, are you ready? Or where are you in this cycle? Or you can give them more information or you get, you can nurture them along in their journey. And I do believe in nurturing. I know for myself, whether it's a small purchase or a big purchase, I, I love the I the fact that I do this. I will hold on. I don't unsubscribe to emails that I find up for marketing emails. I'm like, oh no, I want to get those stupid emails from Joann's four times a day. Not because I'm going to go to Joann's every weekend because I go there like once a quarter maybe, but not getting the emails means that the once a quarter that I do go there, I don't know what's on sale. I don't have a coupon and they're going to ask me at the register for the coupon. And so often as consumers, we behave that way. But then as business owners, going back to that whole, I don't want to offend people. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't like, they think, oh, I can't send out emails and I can't do this. And I'm like, yes, you can. Yeah, If they don't want them, they'll unsubscribe. Like they will. And it's, and but don't be offended. It just saved you money. Like that's all that is. If someone else subscribes, it saves you money. Like <laughs> just, be happy that they take themselves off your list. But other than that, we need a soft ask, like something that gets them onto a list so that we can follow along with them while they're on a journey and kind of participate as much as we can. And that soft ask could also just be like, say, for instance, you are relying on social ads to start your campaign, then your soft ask might be to follow you right? So they saw an ad and now you're going to say, hey, why don't you follow us so that you can see more of this content or whatever? That's another way to get people um, in a in a relationship with you. It doesn't have to be via email. Email is awesome. It's better, but it's not the only way to get into that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think all of that is is super important. And I, you know, I think so many people get so overwhelmed when they have to create a lead magnet and then create, you know, then you feel the pressure to create a nurture series, which is sort of that follow-up yep. series. And it can seem yep. like a lot. And so I think it's helpful that you're saying that, you know, especially if you're just starting, it doesn't necessarily have to be a full nurture series and a full lead magnet and all of that. It can be yep. something super quick and easy, like listen to my podcast or follow me on Instagram or whatever it is. Yeah, it can be. And one of the things, because I know it's overwhelming and, and everyone hates writing copy, a part of the content that we create for everyone is that initial nurture sequence, because I know that's the most painful thing to do is to write that, oh, you still don't know me very well. You've never bought anything from me before. And here are my emails to try to convince you to. (laughs) And so we write those emails because I I love the, the way I can be dispassionate and the way that my team can be dispassionate about your thing. Oh my God. It's so fun. Versus when you're writing it for yourself, and I know because we write our own marketing and I honestly, I have someone else on our team write all of our emails and then I just read them because I, I know if I wrote them, they would be bad. Like <laughs> they would be needy and sad. And so I'm like, let someone else write it because then it's not all weird and needy. <laughs> and we do the same thing for people who we do funnels for. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. No, I feel like I can, I can write a website clients, like client website copy in like a day because you're just so removed from it. And they told you all the high points and you're like, great, let's bang this out. And then like my own website took like three months of writing because you're (laughs) agonizing over every word. And you're like, oh my God, is this adjective like the exact thing? And it's just like, I feel like, thank goodness I had other people review it who were like, Isabel, shut the fuck up and let's move on. Like we need to just get this out. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> agreed. That's exactly how I am. I'm like, you can't, when it's your baby, it's like, oh my God, is this the right? I don't even know if I should put the period here. Should this be a comma? I don't know. No, no, no. Let us do it for you. And then you don't have to worry about that nonsense. 
<laughs> yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So as we wrap up here, I love to just ask all of my guests, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? I don't know. I have gotten, I have been so fortunate over the past, over a decade, 11, 12 years that I've been in business. I have had a lot of really good advice and I've had some really horrible advice as well. I think one of the best pieces of advice that I got was to be coachable. And that piece of advice is like a two-edged sword because you want to be coachable, but you also don't want to be a pushover because it's your business. And so you have to be the final decision maker, Um, but also being willing to let other people who perhaps know more than you do about a specific area, like kind of coach you along is invaluable as a business owner. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice, but I think you're right. I think that if if you're somebody who isn't super strong-willed or super confident in your decisions and you enter, you know, a different educational program, you got a coach or something, yeah. it can be very easy to be swayed even when you sort of know yeah. that that's not what's going to work for you. So you really do have to like know your own course and really stay strong and like I know what works for me and what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, well, thank you so much Lindsay. If people want to work with you, how can they get in touch with you and we will link all of this in the show notes as well. Well, I am a big fan of the LinkedIn. I know everyone else is going to pitch their business. That's what everyone does. I want people to just come hang out with me on LinkedIn. And if you're not on LinkedIn, you can hang out with me on the Instagram. I'm at Lindsay L. Sims on both of those platforms. And you can find 30 Day Funnels, which is the company that I run at 30dayfunnelswithans.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Lindsay, and chatting with me. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast with yours truly, Isabel Caitlin. If you love the show, I would appreciate it if you could leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I love hearing from all of you. Share it with a friend, family, colleague, or anyone you know who may benefit from this episode. Remember, you can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at stripedogcreative.com. All right, that's it for today. See you next time.